Someone gave, I think, this to Maria, and it's a little illustration that here's what I'd like for you to do this week. Just, just kind of remind you. Inside this little is a cloth and three rubber bands. Okay? Very simple illustration. Cloth and three rubber bands. Very, very simple. It's called my survival kit. You say, well, survival kit. Well, it says this. Use the white cloth to cover or stuff your mouth when tempted to say anything that will start trouble, that is hurtful, destructive, or to destroy a person's character. So carry this around with them and you start getting ready to gossip. So what are three rubber bands for, Pastor? Well, place three rubber bands around your wrist and pop the rubber bands around your wrist three times when you are tempted to hurt yourself or someone else. Remind your brain what pain feels like. All right? So a little illustration. Uh, I forgot who gave it to you, Sister Adam, but it was on my desk. And I said, huh, that's very interesting. And I think sometimes we need to be reminded of things, right? Because how many of you know that even as a born-again believer, you can get off track? You can start uh, looking forward to listening to gossip about somebody. You can, you, if you're not careful, uh, you'll start talking about people with your little chatty self. All right? And we ought to be focused on walking out these doctrinal truths that we've been learning about in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, which if you have your Bibles, I am going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter number four. Glory be to God. And this study that we've been doing on, on, on Wednesday nights, we will wrap that up on Wednesday night, but we'll continue to unpack some of these truths on Sunday morning because I think it is critically important for each one of us to be uh, properly conditioned to be able to carry the word of God and to walk it out in our everyday lives. We're going to go, start our reading at verse number 11 and we entitled in this chapter, Walk It Out. Everybody say, Walk It Out. Verse number 11 of Ephesians chapter number four. Glory to be to God. The text says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church. Right? Let's, let's back up the body of Christ. Let's read this one more time. Can y'all read it with me out loud and on purpose? Their responsibility, these, what we call the ministry gifts, some commonly refer to these as the five-fold ministry gifts. And it says these five-fold ministry gifts have a responsibility to, to equip God's people to do his work and build up what? The church, the body of Christ. Let's go to the next verse, verse 12. Uh, verse, I'm sorry, verse 13, right? It says this, this will continue. What will continue? The building up and the equipping. These gifts, these, these, what we call these ministry gifts, these fivefold ministry gifts will continue until we all, everybody say all, come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, I, I need you to check that because there are some who teach that we don't need apostles anymore. They're no longer need apostles. Well, the, apost- the apostolic ministry, no, the, the original apostles are not here, but the ministry of the apostle who goes to plant churches is still needed and viable today because there are very many unchurched areas across this globe. As a matter of fact, even in these United States of America, there are, there are pockets of areas where, 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 where there's not very much faith generation going on. And so we need people who have the calling in their life to go to establish works of ministry so that Christians can be nurtured and developed. All right. So this is going to continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith that we're going to be just like Christ, measure to the full and complete standard of Christ. How many of y'all know that we will not measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ until we see him face to face? Because the Bible tells, my Bible tells me that when we see him face to face, we're going to be just like him. But while we're waiting on him to come back, 
These fivefold ministry gifts here have the responsibility of equipping us, the body of Christ, so that we can grow and build up the church. Are y'all tracking me today? All right, let's go a little bit further. Verse number 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. That's why, guys, it's really critically important that each one of us as a born-again believer understand doctrinal truths. Our theology needs to be right. We need to understand what the Word of God says. We need to understand that Paul writes this letter we discovered. In the first three chapters, he gives us doctrinal truths, what we believe. And now in this last half of the letter, he begins to tell us what? How to walk it out in our everyday lives. How to, how to personify the gospel truths that have been placed on the inside of us. Here's the thing that worries me as a pastor a lot of times. And I need y'all to hear me carefully, fellow Elizabethans. Here's what worries me as a pastor sometimes. I'm afraid that sometimes in this ministry, we, we catch hope to studying the Bible. And we'll, we'll sign up and we'll learn these doctrinal truths. But some of us are reluctant to walk it out in our everyday lives. Some of us are so full of word. I mean, we just full. We just fat on word. Okay, back up. I shouldn't say that. Okay, that's not. We're, we're obese on word. And the reason why we're obese on word is we're bloated. We're bloated with the word, but we don't walk it out. It is similar to a person who constantly eats but never walks. It's someone who constantly eats but never exercises. I promise you, I know, trust me. <laughs> that if you continue to eat and eat and eat but never walk it out, never exercise, you'll begin to balloon and, and blow, but you won't have effectiveness in your Christian walk. So this Again, in this season of ministry, this church, the focus is on walking it out. The focus is, is not on having a bunch of meetings and gathering. We're going to meet to encourage, to strengthen one another, but we're meeting to encourage and to strengthen each other so we can walk this stuff out. So, so sometimes I'm, I'm afraid that many have settled into a season in their Christian growth where they're saying, but Brother Pastor, that's for them younger people. Brother Pastor, you know, uh, that's just not for me. <laughs> oh, you talk about ministry of hospitality, Pastor. I just don't like people over my house. Well, there's a problem that we have because the scripture vividly, un- unashamedly, without fear or trepidation, teaches us that the ministry of hospitality is something that we as Christians should be. Uh-huh. So you got to decide, is the Bible really true to me? Or is it only true to me when it says what I agree with? And so as your pastor, I told you, I told you about a month and a half ago that I've been called to stretch you. Everybody say, stretch me, pastor. Because all of us need to be stretched in certain areas of our Christian walk. All of us sometimes want to sit down and rest a little while. No, 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 no. It's this... Have you looked at what's happening in the culture? Have you observed what's going on with mass shootings across this country and all kinds of debauchery that's happening? The church needs to get busy walking this word out because we are light in this dark world. We are the salt of the earth, but salt doesn't do any good if it's lost its savor. And as a church Member as a born again believer, let me put it that way. As a born again believer, we have a responsibility to walk this word out. Because I, I don't, I don't want us to get complacent here as a ministry. Uh, we we got we, we have to be engaged and involved in the community at large. We say it every Sunday, right? We got to take this word that we're learning and begin to walk it out every day of our lives. Okay, I got to keep reading. because y'all, y'all, Listen, man, every time I read this passage, it, it just jumps in my heart and my spirit. It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Next verse, let's read it. It says what? Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is what? 
He's the what? He's the head of the body, of his body, the church. Who's the head of the church? Whose church is it? It's his church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Watch this. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts, what? Grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing. And full. Now, again, he's talking about these fivefold ministry gifts, but we know there are other gifts that are, that are part of uh, the body of Christ. And, and when each one of those gifts do their part, it helps, it, 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 it helps the other parts to grow. Could it be, let me ask you a rhetorical question, could it be that the body of faith here at EBC is not at the level that it could be, it's because you've been sitting on your gift? Could it, could it be that we're not farther along having greater impact because you are gifted, and, and, but you're sitting? Can we read this again out loud and on purpose? I need y'all to read it with me because I need you to let it sink into your spirit now. He says, he makes the whole body fit together how? Who does? Christ does. Makes the whole body fit together how? Perfectly. As each part does its own special work, in other words, as each part, as each ministry gift does its own special work, it, it, it helps the other parts to do what? So what, 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 are we saying, what are you saying, brother pastor? You have a gift that the body of Christ needs. And you got to get your mind right. You got to get your emotions right. You got to be spiritually healthy emotionally healthy so that the God can use you to advance kingdom agenda because it says it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of what? Love. All right. Verse 17. Come on. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused. Now he's writing to a Gentile church, right? But remember Paul's mandate was to take the gospel to other ethnicities besides his Jewish brethren. Gotcha? Remember, what what, what was the mystery of godliness? What was the mystery that we've been talking about that's been unpacked? What was the mystery that was hidden in the old and not revealed in the new? The fact that God was going to bring Jew and Gentile, he's going to bring all ethnicities together in one body. That was hidden in the old covenant, but revealed primarily through the apostle Paul's ministry in the new covenant. Writing to this primarily Gentile church here. And he says, watch what he says here. He says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Now he's writing to Gentiles. So what are you saying, brother pastor? Well, what he's, the reason why he says Gentile, he's talking about those who are unsaved those who are naturally Gentiles, because once I become a born-again believer, it's no longer Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free, but we all are what? One, one in Christ. So now he knows that these born-again believers are no longer identified as Gentiles. They're identified as born-again believers who come together out of two-people group. He made what? He made one. Oh, y'all getting this thing now, are you? We've been, we, we've been, ha- some, I told you on last week, we can't not stop talking about this because if you stop talking about this, you're going to stop talking about the gospel. The gospel is about the unity of Christ's followers coming together and pouring out his love to a world that so desperately needs it. This is fundamental. This is not some sidebar issue. If you think unity of the believers is a sidebar issue, you'll say, well, stop talking about unity. I can't because it's the gospel. If you want the gospel and what all it entails and all of what it manifests, it means that we got to get to the point, guys, where this thing is in our DNA. It has to be so strong in our DNA that if somebody comes against what the gospel preaches, you're willing to stand up and say, hey, that's not right. Okay. so now he talks about these these gifts. He talks about the apostles. An apostle is one who who is sent. Apostles are missionaries and church planners who establish God's work in cultures around the world. An apostle may be sent across town or across the ocean to establish a church where there is none. Apostles operate in many spiritual giftings so they can raise up new Christians and leaders in the power of the spirit. That's what an apostle does. 
Apostles don't just have it in his name. I, there are folks who wearing the name apostle hadn't planted one church. Just want to be called apostle. An apostle has it in his DNA to go about, particularly to unchurched areas, to plant church. That's what the apostle Paul was doing here, right? And again, he's writing to these. So, so that's what he does. So the evangelist is, an evangelist is one with a special anointing to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Evangelists are gifted by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel of Christ in such a way that men and women repent, are born again, and become disciples of Christ. One of the greatest evangelists that ever lived was Billy Graham. And Billy, uh, uh, you know, you, if you follow his ministry over the years, he, 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 he brought thousands, even millions to, to faith in Christ Jesus because he was an evangelist. An evangelist is not some pastor who runs three revivals every year. You know, a lot of times in, our, in, in church cultures, there are some who, who you can do the work of an evangelist, but a true evangelist is one who's out ministering the gospel on a continual basis. Right. So, so, so evangelists. Then we have the pastor. Pastor is a shepherd and nurturer of God's flock. The anointing and calling for this gift is rooted in the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Go with me right to Hebrews 13, 20 and 21 right quick. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. We're talking about walking it out today. Hebrews 13. I think it's where I want to go and look at verses 20 and 21. Are y'all there? The writer says this, now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, a pastor or a shepherd assumes responsibility for the spiritual welfare, what, the spiritual welfare of the sheep in the church entrusted by the Holy Spirit into his care. So in other words, as your pastoral leader, I've been entrusted to, to feed you with wisdom and knowledge from high. That's why I told you before, all of us at one point in time are going to go before what is called the Bema judgment seat of Christ. Every born again believer will go before the Bema judgment seat of Christ and have to be judged based on their faithfulness to ministry, not whether or not they're going to get into heaven. Because the fact that I'm born again, the fact that I if, if truly trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior means that I heaven is my home. But I will be judged on my faithfulness to my calling. I will be judged on my faithfulness to how I, how I responded to the gospel message. So a pastor is there to, to feed you. That's why I told you all before. I'm not going to let anybody uh, get me to heaven and God have to dress me down because I didn't tell you the truth. Truth will come forward from this pulpit. Are y'all with me? Because I love all of you all. And because I love you, I love you enough to tell the truth. How many of y'all got friends in your life who love you enough to tell you the truth? Anybody? I got a few hands raised. I mean, a friend that can tell the truth. And y'all not fall out. How many of y'all got friends you felt you told them the truth? Anybody in the house? Oh, I know you got some folks who, who mad at you right now because you told them that God was no good. But they married them anyhow. And they found out that what you were seeing wasn't a dream. It was reality. And they still mad at you because you told them the truth. And they still trying to get back with the guy who's no good. Let's come in close. We're going to be truth tellers in this church. And we're going to let the word of God be the standard of truth, not my feelings. Because I'm friends with you, because I because we we, we, we ran together don't mean that, that you shouldn't tell me the truth and I shouldn't tell you the truth. God, the, the Bible says, speak the truth what in love. That's what a pastor does. A teachers, teachers are gifted by the Holy Spirit to communicate biblical truths to believers in such a powerful way that, that they dynamically learn how to live the Christian life as disciples of Christ. That's what a teacher does. As a matter of fact, in the original uh, uh, Greek language, it's pastor slash teacher. 
Any pastor worth, worth his salt needs to be a teacher of the gospel message. You need to be able to understand what I'm saying while I'm talking to you. All right. That's why. Listen, hear me carefully. There are different styles of ministry. I don't mock people's style. They're, they're different. I love to hear different styles of preaching. But at the very minimum, there must be teaching in your preaching. If I come up here and begin to to give you a, a doctoral thesis on whatever uh, uh, theological or uh, doctrinal concept that I'm that I've been studying and I talk way up here and you leave wondering what in the world was that dude talking about? Have y'all ever been in a sermon like that where you're like, OK, he said a lot of fancy words, but I, I have no clue what he said and how to apply what he said. And I don't want to listen to a sermon like that. And you, you, you almost knocked your, your husband over because you fell asleep while he was doing it. <laughs> a teacher makes the word of God plain so you'll know how to apply it in your life. So you'll know how to, everybody say, walk it out. That's what we're after. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want any ambiguity when you leave here. When the, when, the, when, the, when the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself, that's what it means, love your neighbor as yourself. And then someone, how many of y'all remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? Someone had the audacity to try to, to, to trap Jesus. Well, who's my neighbor, Jesus? So what did Jesus do? He began to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, I will tell you, it was, not, it was no accident that Jesus used the example of a Jew and a Samaritan in telling them, who, 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 who's your neighbor? Y'all remember the story? Do y'all remember the story? How there was a, a Jewish man who was traveling along the way. And uh, as he was traveling, he was mugged. He was, he was beat up. He was robbed and literally left for dead on the side of the highway. And here comes a religious man. Oh, he wasn't walking like that. A religious man was walking real deep. <laughs> Saw the guy and went on the other side of the road priest did. Then now comes a Levite, I believe. Walking, he's looking deep too. All you deep looking folks in the church. Get a smile on your face. Quit coming and look at him. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levite, who was a Jew also, this is a Jewish man who had been attacked, robbed, beaten, and left for dead. The Levite goes on the other side of the highway. Pass right on by. Now this is Jesus who could have used any other example in the whole wide world, but he uses a Jew and a Samaritan to tell you who a good neighbor is. I need you to think about that. So, Pastor, why are you saying that? Well, Jews and Samaritans hated one another. There was racial hatred between the ethnic groups, yet Jesus says, I'm going to show you what a neighbor looks like. So the Samaritan comes along. Sees the man, picks him up, binds his, his wounds, gets him taken care of, placed him in an inn, a place, a hotel, and told the owner, hey, listen, here's some money. Take care of him. If there's any other expenses, I'm coming back through here in a little bit. I'll take care of those expenses. And then Jesus says, well, who was the neighbor? It was obvious it was the good Samaritan, the ones who there was ethnic hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans was had they were they were mixed. They, they were they were half Jew and half Gentile. And then there was also hatred between Jews and full-blooded Gentiles. Are y'all with me? But Jesus used that example to show us what a neighbor looks like. So when you hear love your neighbors yourself, then that don't, that doesn't mean just somebody who looks like you. As a matter of fact, it could mean the very person who you got a problem with. The very person who you got ill with, Holy Ghost may say, go and help them. Now the question becomes, am I willing to walk the word out when it says love your neighbor as yourself? But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they talked about, well, some of y'all talking about me, I said, i to you. Come on. I know some of y'all have me for dinner, but that's okay. It comes with the territory. 
I'm still going to love you. And you'll get over it in about six months. We'll be back friends. I mean, literally, as a believer, you got to walk. You can't wear your feelings on your shoulder if you're going to be a true disciple. Oh, I'm wounded. Now I'm going to keep preaching to you. That's what God called me to do. And I'm going to keep loving you. I'm going to keep hugging you. And I know you talked about it. That's okay. As long as you listen and you're willing to process what is being said. Because I, I, there, there are many of y'all sitting here right now. There's some stuff I told you for the word of God. It didn't agree with your spirit. Not because you studied it out. It's just that you didn't feel like it. You didn't feel right. Something ain't right. Because you never got doctrinal truth on it. Let the word of God drive your feelings. Let the word of God drive your conversation. Let the word of God be the catalyst for why you do what you do. So as your pastor, I'm just telling you, I love you now. Because I know there are many of y'all who will go back and study it. And even though you may be, you know, a little queasy about it, but when you start studying the word of God out, then you'll come back and say, you may not even come back and tell me, but you know, hey, listen, I know what pastor was saying. I got it now. I told you I had to listen. When you were talking about this unity stuff and you were talking about uh, the two becoming one flesh, he says, I didn't, I didn't listen. I passed, I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't, I, I wasn't for it. But then he said, he told me, he, he said, I studied it out and I know what you're saying now. And man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part to reach out. And I can respect a guy like that who will say, I'll study it out, even though I may not can see, because some stuff you can't see if you're not spirit minded. Can we go to 1 Corinthians 3? See, some of y'all are sitting in church and you can't catch nothing I'm saying because you're carnal minded. First Corinthians, the third chapter. Verse number, verse number one. Now the second chapter. First Corinthians chapter number two, verse number one. Are y'all still with me? Everybody say, walk it out. Man, there's stuff we got to walk it out. And, and you're going to be challenged. <laughs> can, I, can I say this? And, I, and I'll say this to Maria. I hope you don't mind me sharing this. She, she don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I, I, I promise you, it's gonna, it's gonna, I'm not the hero of this story. <laughs> we had made a covenant agreement that we were going to leave at 930 to get to church on time today. Because last Sunday we came in here on two wheels. <laughs> Barely got here in time for me to come up and preach. So this Sunday we had said it already. You know, thank God for this beautiful lady. She's had surgery. She recovered from surgery. But we said 930. Now I know my wife. Any husband here, Danny, you can, you, you can talk to me. Brother Kenny, you probably can talk to me too. Uh, y'all ain't scared, are you? These brothers ain't scared. <laughs> Y'all coming along. Jerry, you coming with me too. And Jeff, you coming too. All right. When, when your wife tells you, I will be ready in 30 minutes, how, do, how should we interpret that, brother? Hour, yeah. And all these years, 37 years, now I'm, I'm looking at her pacing. And I know how long, and I, I, listen, listen, I, I don't, you know, Richard, I don't, I don't, I don't try to, prevent her from beautifying because she's looking good for me. <laughs> I know she's had surgery and that type of thing. But I knew in my knower that what she was telling me, because I'm looking at the pacing, and I knew that, that 9.30 she just wasn't going to make it. <laughs> now here I am. I'm jumping ahead. I'm getting ready. I know we got to do baby dedication. I want to get here on time. And so um, I'm a little antsy with her. And then Sandra calls, and, and when she's on the phone talking and trying to get ready, it slows down even more. <laughs> so I said, I said, baby, you, you, Sandra, get off the, Sandra's the devil right now. Get off the phone with her. <laughs> no, I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I promise I did. But she and her mother talk, and then, when, but the longer they talk, the slower she gets. So I came in there. Somebody said, tell you, I'm going to tell you. I came in there. Hey, you, you got to hurry up. Come on. We said we're leaving at 930. Are you going to be ready for 930? She said, stop nagging me. I said, I'm not nagging you. <laughs> you said we were going to leave at 930. <laughs> and you know what I did? Well, 
I, okay, so I, 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 at that point, I, I said, okay, I, I've, I've kind of pushed her a little bit too far. She's had surgery. Um, now, the surgery had nothing to do with her timing. She just, <laughs> let me say that. But I get <laughs> So she got, a little, she got a little upset with me, so I, I backed off, and I just went, I said, let me go and do what I got to do. And then when she gets ready, we get here. So we got here on time. Amen. We, we were walking down the hallway, the choir started singing. But my point is, you know, the, you know exercising patience in stuff like that is important because I, I, I knew how she flows. And, and, and normally I don't even mess with her. I'll go in there and talk with her a little bit and push it on. But, but I, I kind of irritated her this morning. And so, uh, so, baby, I apologize publicly for irritating you. So sometimes we men can be impatient. Am I right about it, brothers? All right. So I was, I was a little impatient this morning, even though I knew. When she told me 9 30, we weren't going to make it. But guys, listen. All of us have to process through stuff to show. We, we, guys, listen, if you missed last Wednesday's uh, time of, 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 of unpacking the husband's role in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, man, the brothers, man, we had an awesome, awesome time. Brother Quentin, we, we, we dug into it. We were canceling each other and we were helping each other. And then one of the things that Pastor Pinkley told us when we left, he said, when you go home today, go, go, go home and hug, just hug your wife and tell her you love her. That's how we ended our class, guys. We were, we were, we were unpacking some things. And, and, and we were talking about patience. We were talking about loving your wife like Christ loved the church. And here I am on a Sunday morning getting agitated because she's not ready on time. I told you that word that's going to be put inside of you is going to be challenged. So I apologize to you publicly and to our live stream on the whole wide world. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> now watch. Come on, y'all, 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 y'all got me off track. Watch what Paul says. And I know I'm not going to finish this, but watch what Paul says here. Now again, what am I getting at? Sometimes we don't understand the things of God because we're still carnally minded. And let me say this, by the way. Every husband that's in here, you better learn how to treat your wife with respect and honor. Don't ever be cursing and talking crazy to your spouse. Now, that's one thing I won't do. In our 37 years of marriage, I never used a word of profanity toward her. Never. Because I'm going to honor her. She's my wife. And I'm going to love her like Christ loved the church which was unconditionally. Christ's love for the church was not predicated on how we acted. By God, he wouldn't have died if, he had, if, we had, if it was based on how good we were. We were some messed up folks. While we were yet in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. I thank God for that. But, but this is my, and every husband here, you catch this, catch this husband. You, you, you love your wife. You treat her like a queen. Treat her like a queen. And every wife in here, treat your husband like a king. So if you're treating her like a queen and she's treating you like a y'all ought to be getting along. There'll be some king and queen stuff going on, if you know what I mean. There should be some little princesses coming out of y'all. All right? But do it the way God said do it. Too many times we excuse ourselves. We, we excuse our, our bad behavior. And we blame it on the other person. God ain't gonna, God is not gonna, God, God is not gonna get you at the beam of judgment seat of Christ and excuse your behavior because somebody did this. Man, I, that's why I, I, man, I, I love Dr. King's message and how he took on, uh, the, 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 uh, the sinfulness of, of the racial divide in this country and how he chose to do it through the avenue of love. There were many who were beckoning him and putting pressure on him to do it the ungodly way, but he chose to do it through the avenue of love. So love your wife through, through, through whatever. Love your husband through whatever. And, and, and for God's sakes, search out the scripture. Sign up for the marriage retreat. 
and come and get poured. We're going to a great resort. This is a shameless plug. We're going to a great resort and we're going to pamper you. And and some of y'all haven't been pampered in a long time. See see, see how you quiet now? What's what's pampering you, Pastor? We want to pamper you. We're going to pour into you. We're going to have fun. You're going to relax and be in a beautiful area. But come and get poured into and learn these things. Some stuff I can't say on Sunday. Sister Doris. (laughs) Some stuff I can't say on Sunday because I'm going to respect those in here. But there's a lot of stuff I'm going to say to try to guide our young people along because I know that there's some stuff that, that they need to hear uh, plainly understand. And, and, and here's another shameless look. Our youth, youth ministry, Pastor Craig and that group, this study that they're going through called Real Relationships, man, it is, it is awesome. And those kids, I, I went in there and I st- sat in on two or three of those classes. Man, they are pouring into them and they are teaching them how to do relationships God's way. Awesome study. So give that team a hand because they're pouring into those young folks Teaching them stuff that I wish I had known at 15 and 16. Let me see the hands of all of those out there whose parents talk to you in a deep way about relationships and what it means uh, to date somebody. Anybody had a parent? We, had, we got one. We got two people. Three, four. Okay, five, six. Thank you. Out of this whole, listen, I love my mom and daddy, but my mom and daddy didn't. I, I can't remember one conversation about dating, about the, what to look for, how to keep, how to, how to keep myself. Everything I learned, I learned from, <laughs> from the dudes. But we, we got to, as parents, pour into our children and teach them. And, and we're going to help you as a church family. And I'm telling you, that, that real relationship that they're doing through is off the chain in a good way. And they're learning how to look for the right characteristics of the person, learning what to do, do when the day and learning what a real God honoring relationship looks like. Because the sad reality is many of them aren't seeing it at home. You sitting up in this church looking all pretty, but you hell, hell on wheels at home. I mean, to my everybody, I mean, some of, some of y'all. If I were to do a survey, and ask the brothers, and if I would do a survey and ask the sisters, I, I, it doesn't surprise me, but that's why I keep preaching like I preach. Now watch this. Can we, get, can we go? Can we move? Say, Pastor, preach the word. I'm going to do it. Watch this. When I first came to you, dear brothers, who's writing? Who's he writing to? The church at Corinth. When I first came to you, dear brothers, I didn't, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. Watch this. Come on. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I don't want you to, I don't want you to depend on my intellect. Listen, I got a degree from the Louisiana Tech University in Russell, Louisiana, one of the finest institutions across this country, and they educated me well. But don't you depend on my degree from Louisiana Tech to mention you. I don't. I depend on the Holy Spirit. You can have a degree from Harvard or wherever you may have it from, but unless the Holy Spirit gives you the revelation of knowledge, you won't understand the truth of God. Watch this. Yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rules of this world who are soon, what, forgotten. Watch this. No, the wisdom we is the mystery of God. His plan, watch this, here we go again. Paul didn't turn this stuff loose. His plan that was previously hidden. What was the plan that was previously hidden? Talk to the church. For Jew and Gentile to come together into one body, regardless of ethnicity, Paul caught flack for that. As he gave his testimony in Acts, the 22nd chapter, they listened to him intently until he said that word. God told me, go to Gentile. They want to kill him. I want to know how many people in churches 
want to kill the pastor because he says we all need to come together in one. We, we need to show that unity here in the local church to show that, that blacks, white, Hispanics, Asians can come together and serve and worship God together and show that unity that Jesus prayed about in John 17. I want to know how many churches have people in there like, hmm, this our church. And we don't want nobody in our church. It is not your church. It belongs to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's his church, and we're going to do it his way. Oh, hold my muse. <laughs> I, I'll tell you about that reference, Jeff, a little bit later. Okay, hold my muse. I know you don't know that, but I, we, we'll talk, we'll talk. No, 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 the wisdom, that's an inside joke, y'all. Yeah. No, the wisdom we speak is, is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. That plan was already in place before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it if they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who do what? Love him. Love him. But, everybody say but. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his what? His spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except what? So how do you think you're going to just pick up the Bible and study it without God's Holy Spirit giving you revelation? Now, you depending on your intellect, your wisdom, your dictionaries and all the things you have. And, 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 and God's wisdom so far outseeds anything man has. You can't know it except the Spirit of God reveal it to you. Now watch, watch this. No one can know a person's thoughts, 11, except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have, and we have received God's spirits, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Watch this. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain what? Spiritual truth. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Now, spiritual don't mean that you shout in church. Because you raise your hand in church don't mean that you're spiritual. Or because you look like this doesn't mean that you're spiritual. A spiritual person has chosen to allow God's truths to be the way that controls his thinking. And he's decided that I'm going to bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. He says, those who are, he says, those who are spiritual can evaluate all things for they, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others for who can know the Lord's thoughts. Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have what? The mind of whom? We have the mind of Christ. The KJV says in verse 14, the natural man receiving not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So if you are... The natural man is the unsaved man. The carnal man is the man who's saved, but he's not growing spiritually was born again, baptized, but has not grown spiritually. I am of the opinion that we have a, a, in a lot of our churches people who, who, who may have been born again, truly, but they're not minded. They're not growing spiritually because the Bible says as newborn babies desire the sincere myth of the word that you may grow thereby, but you have no word time, so you're not growing. If, if the word, if I desire the sincere myth of the word so that I may grow thereby, but I find myself not having word time. That means that I'm not growing spiritually. And so my ability to understand the things of God, which are spiritually discerned, are going to be stunted because I don't have word time. I don't connect. I never sign up for discipleship training class. I don't even open my Bible really, Pastor, until I bring it to church, to be honest about it. I never, I never, I never, I never, I never really spend time meditating while I'm driving. 
I'm listening to the banging music. Now you got different genres of music. I'm not saying that Christians have to listen to the gospel all the time, but sometimes you ought to turn on some preaching while you're driving. Turn on some gospel music to get your mind right. You just left home, arguing with your husband, ran your kid, dropped the kids off to the school on two wheels, and now you're trying to get to work on time, and you're going to go in there and be frustrated. You need some, uh, some gospel to, 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 to transform your, your mindset because music has a way of, of, of setting the mood, doesn't it? Don't you know music can set the mood? Mood. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yvonne, you know about Luther Vandross, Yvonne. I know you know. I know. But what if we set the mood with a gospel song that honors God, that lifts him up? We position ourselves. So, so, so there's certain things that carnal-minded and natural-minded people that can't understand about the words of God, the things of God. So quit trying to pound it in them because they can't understand it. They're not even born again. And you're trying to teach them the Bible and they're not even born again. Stop wasting your time. They're carnal-minded. If they're not willing to try to grow, if they stay stuck in a carnal state, they'll never understand the things of God because they can only be understood as the Spirit of God gives the revelation. Okay, get back. Get back to Ephesians. And I, I'm, my time is about up. Watch this. Y'all have, been, y'all have been good today. Y'all have been good today. Verse 17. And I, I got to get, get out of here. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, verse 17. Now, again, there are other, there are other I, I'll, I'll touch on some of these. There are what we call body gifts, helps, exhortation, uh, hospitality, giving. Leadership. I don't have time to go over all those today, but we'll, we'll talk about those in the coming weeks. Intercession, administration. Those are gifted. Some of y'all have to get the administration. We need your help. Uh, then there's what we call Holy Spirit gifts. Holy Spirit gifts are those gifts that, that they, they operate as the spirit wills. You can't turn them on and turn them off. Okay? So you got to know that that's called a word of wisdom. Maybe God gives you a word of wisdom, and that's the, that's, that, that's the spirit-given ability to... Uh, in part to some believers to receive special insight from the spirit so they can apply his wisdom and his truth to a specific situation within the body of Christ. Now, God may give you a word of wisdom about something. And now you, he shows you understanding about something that, that nobody knew and knew what was happening. And he gave you that, but he gave you that as the spirit wills. So now he used you one or two times like that. If you got to be careful because you'll start thinking it's you and you're going to try to turn it on every time you, you come to me, I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to tell you something about yourself. No, no, no. That, that was the spirit of a wisdom operate as the spirit will in that particular setting. I don't have time to explain today, but, but those are what we call Holy Spirit gifts. All the way down from the gift of faith, the gift of healings, the working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Some list that you, you have will leave that off, but I'm, I'm not a cessationist. I'm one who believes that, that the spiritual gifts are still available to build the body until we come to such unity in the faith that we'll be just like Christ. And until we're just like Christ, we need all those gifts. Okay? So we'll talk about some of those. All right, so with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Watch this. It says this. Uh, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Check this out. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Watch this. But that isn't what you learned about Christ, is it? Right? Verse 21. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your faults and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like, like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. If you are a Christian, stop lying. Stop lying on your taxes. Stop lying to your, to, your, to your management at work, telling them that you're sick when you're not sick. Don't you know God watches that? Yeah. 
You called in six and you, you called in sick, but you over at six flag with your children. And you think nothing. Well, I've got some sick days. Sick days are for when you are sick. You are not sick as you wandering around six flags in Arlington, Texas all day long. And you told them you were sick. <laughs> I don't feel well. Everybody say, God watches that. Because somebody's depending on you to do the job that they hired and paying you to do. Now, if you are sick, there's one thing. Don't come to work sick and make everybody else sick. But don't lie. Some of us don't think about that. But God does. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting, oh, here we go. Don't sin by letting anger control you. How many of y'all got an anger problem? Listen, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. (laughs) Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to... And then give generously to others who are in need. Learn to be a giver. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to bless somebody, bless somebody. I told you, Maria and I do it all the time. And God blesses us back, not just because we gave, but because we, we, we honor him by moving when he says move. Okay? Givers. Everybody say, be a giver. Not just a taker. Some folk in church, all they want is to take. God says, be a giver. And it doesn't, you, you, listen, it, it is not the amount of money that you give. It's, it's the heart of the giver. And if, if he's willing, like the widow with the one mite who gave all she had, Jesus said that woman gave more than all the rest of them combined. Okay. Don't use, here we go. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language, cussing Christian. Why do we have this kind of behavior? I'm serious. Why do you let someone talk to you that way? And why are you using profanity? What does it say? Don't use what? what? Let's read it. Don't use what? Foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. Watch this. We've got to close it out. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you, we said, walk it out. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. 31 and 32. Let's read it out loud and on purpose. And I am finished. Y'all ready? Let's read. Stop. Do you have bitterness in your heart towards somebody? It says get rid of it. Get rid of all what? Bitterness. Rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. Quit talking about people as well as all types of evil behavior. Last verse. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Every head bowed to back close.